Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. Hey guys, um, in this uh, this podcast, I'm sharing a message that I taught on Sunday morning. Um, we're going through the book of Jonah. I thought it was a really interesting topic to discuss. Um, I appreciate any kind of comments or uh, critiques, if you will. Um, um, maybe this will spark some discussion. I'm going through the book of Jonah, and we made it to chapter 2. I give a brief overview of the the first chapter, so so don't worry, you're not missing anything. Um, uh, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Jonah chapter 2. We're going to continue this study in Jonah. And what we've found so far is Jonah was living outside of the will of God. God had called him to do something, and he taught them to go to the city of Nineveh and cry out against their wickedness, cry out against sin. Because in verse 2, we find that their wickedness had come up before the Lord as a nasty stench, is how we refer that. So we find here in chapter 2, after all that excursion, he went out and got on a boat, put their lives in danger. We talked about how he wanted to give up instead of changing his course. How often do we find ourselves in that situation? It's so easy to do that, isn't it, with anything? Well, I done missed it now. There's no going back. How many people do you come in contact with? I've come in contact with so many people. When you ask them, why won't you get saved? They said, I'm too far gone. I can't be saved anymore. My friends, that's not true. My friends, I want to encourage you that let God tell us when too far is too far. God is the judge of that, not me, not you. God. And oftentimes, what we'll find, like we found today, Jonah has reached this place and he's thinking that it's the end. He's swallowed by this great fish. Now, most of the time, when we read a story... If they're really stories, this is where they end. In chapter 1, this would have been a really great short story to read your kids. I'm just kidding. Being facetious. And uh, chapter 1 ends, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish, his belly, and he said, and I swear this is a psalm, but I have not been able to find it. It sounds just like something you read out of the book of Psalms. 
I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Now some translations might translate that word that I said Sheol. The King James, I think, says hell, doesn't it, Miss Marlette? Hell is the, Sheol is the the Hebrew word meaning the land of the dead. So what he's meaning here when he says this in, in both translations is he cried out from death. From death. And then we know death in this life, in this realm, as the end. Death is the end of this realm and the beginning of the eternal. So Jonah, what he's saying here is, I cried out from the belly of death. And you heard my voice. Even there. For you cast me into the deep. Now I want us to be really conscious of the way that was said. Jonah said, you cast me into the deep. So just, uh, just note that. Into the heart of the seas. And the floods surrounded me, and your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And you may as well put in there, but it says not to add or take away from Scripture. But it's implied there. Salvation is of the Lord, not of man. He's confessing to the Lord. He's apologizing. I'm sorry, God. I made the call on whether that people was worthy of salvation. And I didn't let you do that. So the Lord spoke to the fish. (laughs) And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's some very beautiful language. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm thankful for all that you do for us. I pray that you would anoint this message. I pray that you would speak and get me out of the way by whatever means is necessary and do what you've called us to do. Speak to us, Father. Feed your sheep today. Give them something good. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of times in life, 
And I know that sounds kind of uh, silly coming from a 25-year-old child. God allows us to experience lack. Now, there are times where you don't understand why. There have been plenty of times already in my life where I've experienced complete and total spiritual darkness. Those times are really hard. There have been a couple times where that was my own doing, where I did the separating from me and God, living in sin, unconfessing, not confessing my sin, in other words. Living an unrepentant lifestyle where I was putting a block and a wall between me and God, refusing to pray. I saw a thing the other day that said, when you feel, when you feel like not, when you don't feel like praying, then you need to pray. That's the time to pray. The times in life where you feel like you're not talking to anybody. Where you feel like your prayers are going to the ceiling and then just coming right back to you. Those are the important times to keep the faith. That's when your faith is tried. That's when your faith is strengthened. That's when you're going through the fire. And God is removing impurities from your life. That's when some good stuff begins to happen. He's shaping you. He's molding you into what he wants us to be. Jonah, we find here in the belly of a whale or a great fish. Science would say it's a whale, but we don't really know. Whatever it was, we like to do the little children's book picture of it, where he was sitting there and uh, he's he's got his little campfire going in the, and he's got a ship in there and like kind of like kind of like that scene in Pinocchio, where their uh, their big whale swallowed them up and he's sitting there and he's getting all the fish he wants, going fishing on the side and eating. That's not how it was. In fact, there's a lot of evidence in this text to support he was dead. It talks about being cast out of the side of the Lord. He goes down to the moorings of the mountains and the earth with its bars closed behind him forever. But then he talks about God bringing his life up from the pit. There's a lot of evidence here to support that he might have just been dead. And this prayer was from his soul. 
Sometimes God allows us to taste even the pangs of death in order to wake us up. How many times have we heard this? Someone had a huge accident or somebody had some big thing happen to them and they turned their life around forever. Why? Can anybody tell me why? We'll get a little interactive here. Why does such a traumatic event change their life forever? They immediately turn around. Does nobody know? Are you scared to answer? (laughs) Because they realize. What does every person say? Here, I'll say it like this. I want to get y'all interactive. If it kills me. What do they always say? When you ask them, why did you turn your life around? What, what was it about this event in their life that changed it? Changed it, turned it around. Wake up call. It was a wake-up call. Some people say when, I, when they, when they come, came back, I had a second chance to do it right this time. Eric and I were talking about this on the way to church, how grandparents feel this way. When their kids have a kid, they feel like they know all the mistakes they made with their kid, and so the grandparent spoils that other, (laughs) the grandkid rotten because they want to make sure this one feels love and, and all this stuff. They feel like they get a second chance. Because they have all these regrets that they had. They didn't appreciate the time that they had, so they try to make the most of their grandchild. And that's what happens. That's why kids are really close to their grandparents a lot of the time. To reach this point in life, to come close to death, changes your life forever. Because you realize how important and valuable the little bit of time that you have on this planet is worth. God allowed Jonah to reach this place in life where he was dead. He was done. He quit. Nothing was working. He was in the belly of a big fish. And, I, and I'm thinking while I'm reading this, there ain't a lot of breathing going on when you're underneath the water. How could he not be dead? Unless God supplied some kind of bubble around him and that's just... We don't know. But what we do know is Jonah came awful close to punishment. This description that he describes, going down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever, that doesn't sound like heaven. Jonah was living outside of the will of God. 
And more so, he gave up on the calling that he didn't even do in the first place. He directly disobeyed God. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of commands from the Lord in Scripture. But I've never heard his actual auditory voice speaking to me. Now, I don't know if Jonah heard the auditory voice, but he did hear the voice of God in some way that told him to do this. That's a pretty big deal to directly disobey God. What Jonah realized and what we find in this prayer is that, hey, I really messed up. God, can you find it within you to forgive me? What it took was Jonah had to reach this point where he realized this is who I am and I better do what God says because my soul is way more important than what I think I want in this temporary life. See what happens when you reach a near-death experience is that it puts other things in perspective. Some, Some big problems that you thought you had end up being way down here when you realize how small of a time we have on this earth. And we're not promised tomorrow. You know the, the good old phrase, YOLO? You only live once. So make the most of it. Now that's a, that's a big excuse to, to do a lot of things that we aren't proud of. But why not make YOLO something that we are proud of? You live once. So make the most of your time because it's valuable. And like we heard in that song, so much of the time we spend our life sleeping in the light of God's glory and His majesty while there are so many in utter darkness around us. Jonah disobeyed the call of the Lord to seek these people Repentance. Jonah realized, God, I messed up. You, it's up to you who you're going to save, not me. Jonah didn't want to go with these people. He made that very clear. He told God, I'd rather die. And he tried. But when it finally happened, he realized, "Ah, it's not what I wanted, God.
Sometimes separation is necessary for appreciation. How do you like that? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Too much absence makes the heart wander. Sometimes God allows us to feel the separation of His Spirit to teach us something. I think the church is experiencing a wake-up call. Paul said, You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. A lot of us, our flame is getting real low. We're getting tired. Feel like we're running out of oil. You know how you get more oil? Can anybody tell me? How do you get more oil? The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel like you're running out of the spirit, there might be something wrong. Let's use this analogy. I turn on the faucet in my bathroom. Nothing's coming out. Now there's one of two problems. I've got the water turned off. Or I've got a hole somewhere in the line so that I can't get water to that faucet. Or it's turned off at the roof. Either one. So how do you figure out what the problem is? You find the hole, or... So what do you do? You, you got to inspect the line. You go in, you, you make sure the water's turned on, for, for one. So in the spiritual life, uh, I'm turning on the faucet for the... For the Spirit of God to be filling my life and nothing's coming on, there must be something wrong. I've got something blocking the Spirit from coming through. And to be turned off, the water to be turned off means I'm not plugging into it. I've not got the water turned on, I'm not reading, I've not got access to the Word of God that I need to be having because my friends I promise you if you're not reading your Bible every day you've got your water turned off that's turned off at the road you got no water in your entire house but if you have a specific aspect of your life where you're not feeling the spirit there might be a hole Now, what would you classify as a hole, Corbin, in your, li- in, your, in your line where you're not getting the spirit access to a specific point in your life? That could be bitterness. That could be your intentions are not in the right place because you know God is all about intentions. He doesn't like obligatory service. 
And he made that very clear in Amos. He said, I'm sick of your show and your pretense and all this junk, all your sacrifices, I'm done with them. You know why? Because their heart was not in it. When your water's not turning on, when you don't have access to the Holy Spirit, there's immediately, you have to realize there's something wrong. Now, we got to have room for maintenance, regular maintenance going on. Sometimes God shuts the water off so that he can fix something in our life. If you go, and if I tried to replumb the sink in my kitchen, and I didn't turn the water off, I'd have a little bit of a problem. Sometimes, it's necessary for God to withhold something from us, so that he can fix some things in our life. So I'm going to tie it up with a nice, neat little bow. Jonah had reached this place in his life. His flame had died. His heart was empty. The spirit was not there. But you know what he did? He didn't quit praying. He cried out to the Lord and he said, God, I messed up. Notice in this prayer, he didn't ask God to give him his life back. His prayer is a confession. He didn't say, God, if you'll vomit, if you'll get me out of this fish, I'll do what you said I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I promise the first thing I do, I'm going to go to Nineveh. As soon as I figure out where in the world that I am. No, he didn't say that. His confession and his prayer was simply regarding God, you were right. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? His heart was broken for the sin that was in his life. Now there's a lot of good that can happen to a spiritual life when somebody decides that they're going to confront the sin in their life. When they finally say, Lord, I'm going to put my heart into it. I want to serve you. The direction will come later. The decision comes now. What we talk about is a salvation experience is what I like to call it. Instead of when you got saved, the day you got saved. Because 
For me, in my life, and from what I can tell in other people's life, salvation was not just something that happened one day. God saves me every day. My salvation experience is that God is working on me now. He is saving me. He's salvaging me. He's making me into what He wants me to be. And He's not done yet. To say that I got saved means He's done. At least that's the way it sounds to me. He's not done. He was still working on Jonah. Jonah messed up. And we do it too. We do it all the time. We get start messing around and we start missing the mark. We start deciding that we want our way instead of God's way. I've caught myself a couple of times, more than a couple. God'll tell me to go talk to somebody and they'll say, Oh, they don't they're not gonna listen to me. Just like he told Jonah, I didn't tell you to go. If they listen to you, I just told you to go and tell them. God's not calling us to do this as long as it works in our eyes. He said, do it. He said, serve me with your whole heart. Not out of obligation, but of truth. He said, I want you. And his love for you goes beyond what you've done. We got, we said already, what Jonah did was a big deal. Rejecting the will of God. Pretty big deal. It's not taken lightly. Just imagine a king. If you said, if he, if you were under the king, if you were one of his uh, servants, and you said, "Man, I, I really don't want to prop your feet up." <laughs> Be like the red queen, off with his head. You know. The king had that right in that time. Our God, how much more right does he have? He created us. And he designed us for a specific purpose. And when we're not fulfilling that purpose, we just don't feel right. We know it's not right. But he's called us to something more. Well, you jump on board with it. Well, you'd say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of running from what you called me to do. 
I'm going to do it. Jonah had to finally reach that place where he said, I'm sick and tired of running. You killed me. Okay, you're right. And all the women said, ain't that just like a man? They don't admit they're like that too. We're all like that. We're human. What I want to encourage you guys to do today, examine your heart. The Lord's calling us to examine our motives. He's calling us to examine what we're praying for, what we want. Jonah didn't ask God, let me live again. He said, I'm sorry. Sometimes that's what it takes. Jonah knew he wasn't worthy of that. Because he knew he wasn't worthy of that, God decided, okay, now your heart's in the right place. Now you can start Now I can get you where I need you to go. Now you're broken down. For so many of us, it takes hitting rock bottom before we realize it's time to get up. And I don't know if you're there or not. You might be. I've hit rock bottom quite a few times. it seems like I just can't learn. But God is calling us to get up. To do it. I'm going to challenge you to examine your heart. Just like David said in his psalm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. To see if there be any wicked way in me. Nobody's above that. I'm not calling any person out. I don't want to make anybody feel that way. I don't know your life. But I know mine. And I know the standard is here, and I'm all the way over here. God's calling us to do what he wants us to do, not what we want to do. And that's rough sometimes. So I pray that we have this time of prayer. That we can say, search me, O God. I want to do what you want me to do. And if I'm doing anything that's out of your will, help me to see it. If there's anything that I need to fix in my life, I'm not getting some water. I'm, I'm, something's not right. And I don't even know what it is. God, show me what it is. We talked about this a long time ago. This, uh, we're all written this house that we have here, this body. We've got to call the landlord because something ain't right. And we've tried to fix it ourselves, but it ain't going to work.
as we have this time of prayer, I want us to, to think about that. If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. Our service times are Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you. You might just find your home.